Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Breaking Changes podcast. I'm your host and chief evangelist for Postman, Ken Lane. With Breaking Changes, we explore topics from the world of APIs, but we look at things through the lens of business and engineering leadership. Joining me today, we have James Pazanel, Solutions Architect at Domino's Pizza. I really enjoyed learning about James and his team's pragmatic approach to API design and how they balance the needs of their global operations to deliver secure and reliable APIs. I uh, I always start simple, start with the basics. Who are you and what do you do? Uh, yeah, my name is uh, James Pazanel Jr. I, uh, I'm a solution architect at Domino's Pizza. I help uh, currently building an API to replace their entire um, in-store deployment uh, of software. And that's so, uh, based on a, microsystem, a microservices uh, deployment. So we have about 20 microservices, all with their own APIs and OAS. And, and I am, am one of a, of a handful of architects helping to, to create the API, API-first development. So I want to, I want to, I really, when we talked earlier, I want, I was intrigued by your view of microservices and I, and the, and the landscape, because I think you have a very pragmatic view in a, in a realm where there's a lot of dogmatic and religious zealots about what is there isn't a microservice, what is there isn't an API, but so what is, what is a microservice in, in the context of, of your operations? Like, what is it, what is it, what does it do? Right. So a, a microservice is, I think, I'll point to Chris Richardson as kind of one of the guiding lights for, for my pragmatism, I suppose, is like microservices are just services, right? They do a job. They, they encapsulate some sort of logic that you want done. Um, and, and so it's really about the, it's, sometimes it's about the illities of those services. I think Chris Richardson really talks about the, the fact that um, it, the illities are, are what makes a, a microservice a microservice, like the, its changeability, its its um, configurability, these kinds of things. Are, you know, it's, it's able to like change on the fly is essentially one of the, the, the big things. And I think um, for us, uh, we have a really uh, a big landscape to cover. We're a global company, right? We provide software uh, all around the world to, to 86 different countries. Uh, many different languages, and if I'm if we're making that piece of software to put in the store that's in France and the store that's in Canada and the store that's in in the United States, um, it's it's got to you know it's got to be flexible from the from the very beginning, and so it's it's kind of there's a lot of abstraction points I think that um, we emphasize. Over maybe some of the other things that you know microservice people will will kind of value, right? Like um, you know, event-driven architecture or, or or things along those lines. So there's a lot of been a lot of focus over the last twenty years or ten years, especially on on resource-driven REST RESTful APIs, and people get very dogmatic about uh, defining resources. But there's a lot of patterns out there. There's, uh, you know, GraphQL's gained a lot of momentum. 
RPC is still very, very, very used in a lot of large Amazon has a lot of RPC solutions. Um, and so what's, what do you, what do you practice? How do you view resources versus actions and other things that need to be taken? How do you, how do you approach the design thinking behind this? Yeah, I think this is really important when you start valuing the abstraction um, over, you know, maybe a lot of other concerns is, is you start to, you need to plan almost all the time in a resource, a way out, right? Like you get caught, you know, and it still happens, right? No matter what you do, you get caught kind of in a corner where, where you've, you've painted yourself with the, let's say you decided to opt for a string, uh, you know, value for, for some key. Um, and then you're, you're, or, or an object over an array or, you know, whatever it is, whatever, you know, choices you made in the, in the data structure. And then you realize, you know, six months later or a year later that you've, you, you put yourself in a corner. And, um, so for a resource, sometimes we'll, we will, um, we'll, we'll, we'll call, like, let's say we have an ID of something, right? Some, some it's an ID, it's in another service, but we want to keep some information about that service. Um, that external service in this local service. And so we say, okay, well, we could just say it's the, we, we could just say there's an ID here that points to the resource in that other object. Or we could just say, let's just lop off the word ID and just create an object out of that. Like let's say I'm a transaction ID or something like that. And instead of saying transaction ID, I say transaction and this is an object. I may not put anything in there other than ID. Key, key value pair, but I've left myself a way out in the future, like when some other business requirement comes along and they want to like, I don't know, something else has got to come here that that was in the transaction table, you know, the resource over there, and now we want it over here. And 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 it, it cleans up stuff, right? It, you don't have all these keys that you can kind of keep adding. You kind of have this space that um, encapsulates a, a certain con concern, which gives you power to abstract that too. Um, so I think that's one of the things we do. I think the other thing we do, um, going kind of against the grain of of dogmatic um, rest, which I you know I totally appreciate uh, that that architecture, and it was really hard to convince me. Like when I joined the team um, about three years ago, uh, kind of came in. They said, "Oh, we're going to do Hadios." And I'm like, "Oh, awesome! We get to do Hadios," and uh, that didn't work out. But uh, and then they're like, oh, we're doing this stuff called operational endpoints. And I'm like, well, what's that? And they're like, well, we just use this um, the signature in the URL. We say it's an underscore. And then we we talk about what it's doing. Um, so it gets to into RPC land where you're saying like, um, open the business day, let's say. You know, you have a business day resource. You don't want just anyone just uh, uh, changing the status of the resource. You want a process to unfold that will... Um, go through several steps and eventually get to a point where it can say it's open, but you don't want the client to declare that it's, you know, to, to mutate the object themselves. So this is that an RPC way, you know, to kind of set a job, right? And um, I was like, okay, this is weird. And, and, and then he was like, well, this is, you know, you know, the, the, the fellow that had kind of thought about this stuff was like, um, well, this allows us to do like security on that endpoint, right? You could say it's a job, right? I'm going to do, I'm going to set up a jobs endpoint and accept a bunch of jobs. And they could be all sorts of different kinds of jobs. And I could tell you to go look at the job 
representation, you know, once you've, once you've started it and all this other stuff, but you don't have fine grained control over what, who can input into the jobs resource. And, and also, you, you know, you kind of have this mismatch of, of tons of schemas that could, uh, could potentially be accepted. Um, and, and so it really hones in on, I want to do this thing and I want to let the client start that. And, um, and, and I can control the access at like a, you know, a security level too. Well, and it feels like I always see a lot of APIs I see are CRUD, create, read, update, delete. And I really, when you see enough of them and you integrate with enough of them, you realize how it's very, uh, it's very caveman kind of like vocabulary, create, read, update, delete. You know, it's not very, there's not a lot of nuance to it. You can do a lot with across a lot of different resources, but where you, you all have gone is, is much, I, I would say improving on that vocabulary because we've got our nouns, our resources, and then we got our verbs, yeah. our actions that we can take. And you guys created a nice little, little pause underscore in between them and how we can start having more nuanced conversations about this. But then a layer of, of security or, or role-based access control based upon whoever's consuming it. Here's the vocabulary that I can hear or see or have access to however we want to describe it. So it feels like it's a, it's, it's a pretty, again, back to your, I say your pragmatic nature. It's a very pro pragmatic API vocabulary is what I would call it. And it was funny when we were, when he was, he was convincing me of, of how good, you know, this is a great idea. And he's like, what's the alternative? Um, and, and the fellow that he's moved on, Jeff Nido, he's uh, I think a Salesforce now, but he was like, well, what's the alternative? And I said, well, I guess you just need more verbs, right? And this gets to the whole problem, right? We have the caveman vocabulary, which I love that analogy. Um, and so, so what's, what's the alternative? We need more verbs, right? And so we got a couple, but um, varying degrees of acceptance. But I think, you know, I think we could rally around a little bit more vocabulary, right? Search feels like a no-brainer. There's others, right? There's, you know, cl closing things or, you know, it, I think there's enough uh, commonality around processes that you could probably, you know, develop another set of, of verbs to deal with those things. Even like process as a verb. Do a process yeah. on, this, on, this, on this resource. And here's the, the the kind of processing I want to to do. Yeah, so you can get you can get much more precise. You can you can benefit from the ubiquitous low cost nature of HTTP and the and the verbs and the the structures it gives us for vocabulary. But that starts as people like to point out, it fails us pretty quickly um, in some areas. But now we're able to go get more domain specific for our businesses, for our industries using this vocabulary structure. Um, with this said, I'm going to pause here because I got to shut my door. I made a, a mistake and not actually shut my door and it keeps getting loud. So one second, I'll be right back and Albie <laughs> can edit this out. just sat down got interested in talking to you and didn't like run down my checklist and think properly so <laughs> um so the 
the expansive vocabulary, I think, is is really critical here because uh, we you, that's the successful programs I've seen are the ones who are learning to speak in a way that their consumers understand. There's this is this is why language is so important, and you 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 have a common set of ways that we communicate about things, and it can be done in a self service automated way. Um, hopefully with light, you know, not too verbose documentation, but it really helps get people on the same page as far as this is concerned uh, from a producer and consumer side, but also other technical or business stakeholders in, involved in the process. So you mentioned something earlier about this being, you know, defining jobs, and this is very much an approach to APIs that I see more and more and it's bringing in more alignment with business stakeholders is looking at at api design as 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 you're you're defining a job that needs to be done and so how talk to me about how you guys how how you see things as jobs and and how does like domain driven design do you guys have 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 ways that you carve things up into bounded context how do you approach it yeah so i think First of all, we got a lot of services, so that kind of gives you some natural boundaries. Um, and not every every service that's interested in a particular domain needs the same view of the domain. They can still be you know specific to the needs of a particular service. Like payments is a good example. The payment service really cares about the nitty gritty about what happened when when it talked to the payment processor, and we'll probably have lots of lots of data that something like the ordering service doesn't need, like the cart service doesn't need, uh, you know, it doesn't need to know um, the EMV values of, of an inserted card or, or other things, right? It just needs to know that the order is paid, right? That this, this order can now go over to the next step and be shipped out to whoever, or put in a pizza oven, for example. Um, so I think, I think that's, that's kind of, you know, one way to kind of, uh, you know, run a domain across a couple different services is just being really, um, a you know, taking a considered approach to the, the data you're going to store there and trying not to, this is another thing that can happen too, is duplicating data across all these resources. So you got a payment and it has some very specific data. And if you start marrying order information into the payment and that order information is, is mutable. Now you got to mutate the payment too, because it has a representation of that. And so I think this gets into abstraction of, of the resource itself. Um, like how do you, how do you provide enough of a pointer to the thing that, you know, that you're concerned about without, you know, putting too much onus and keeping everything in sync together. And so, um, uh, a lot of abstraction applied in this particular um, set of microservices around, uh, you know, it, I, the payment service just takes payments. It doesn't really know why it took a payment. It has a like a subject line, like a line, uh, a memo line on a check, right? So that memo line on the check says that's for this order over here. If you want to know anything about the order, you go over there and look at the order. And this gets into Hadios too. And this is my sneak around when they said we're doing Hadios and they said, we're not, we're actually not doing Hadios. I was like, well, I can still make it happen. <laughs> so that little link, basically it's a link, right? I'm saying there's an ID and another service. 
You can go over there and look at it. I don't have the actual constituted full URL for you. You'll have to supply that. But at least I've made it, you know, an, the subject of this payment exists somewhere. And that could be in the order service. It could be in the accounting service. It could be somewhere else. Um, but we took your payment and that's it. Yeah. Well, keep bounded context, keeping things isolate but still with the references to to the other domains and where where you can find yeah. stuff yeah and so, yeah and so the you you've mentioned a few times having to sell this to stakeholders and you had to be sold to you had to be convinced as part of this so like what's what's the yeah. journey look like and you mentioned this other person is, is has left what's been this journey as far as like, who are you selling? Is it technical stakeholders? Is it business stakeholders? How are how have you made this happen? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely been a journey from going kind of like this. I'm just making an API and and passing this by my peers and my boss and, and all this other stuff to to you know, um, being in a different role and being more of a, a designer designer, like in the sense of um. There's this, I, I come from the front end originally. I was a front end developer. I did PHP and, and HTML and CSS and JavaScript and all that stuff, open source. And uh, you know, 10 years ago, the, the big deal was a list apart. I think it's still a big deal. They still put out stuff, a list apart. And so they had these books. And one of the books is by a, a front end designer, just a guy who makes things pretty. And he works in a, his own shop you know, as, as a, a man selling you a design, right, to a business. And I just read this book, and it's, it's fantastic. He's, he's talking about stakeholders, and he's talking about, you know, uh, uh, dealing with stakeholders. And so the stakeholders here are really not just, um, not just the business, but also the technology. And Domino's is kind of an interesting place to be because they, technology is a, is a, a revenue source, we make money for for Domino's Pizza because we sell it all the software that we make all over to the franchisees in the United States, mm -hmm. the master franchisees across the world. They buy this stuff, and so we're not a cost center. We make money, and so this focus of 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 selling software means you know you have to pass it through your own IT staff, right, to get their buy in that this is a project. That, that should receive funding, that should you know, take up valuable resources that will be turned into profit somewhere down the line. And so, um, you know, dealing with, with, the, with your stakeholders and, and trying to keep them focused on, on requirements, right? They want, they want something done. They want some, some piece of software, they want to solve a problem. And what happens all the time is they keep on telling you how to solve the problem, right? And so, but you're the, the guy that they hired to solve the problems. Mm -hmm. And so having, trying to gain the trust with them, right? like, I'm not, I'm not trying to like bust your bank. I'm not trying to, um, I, I'm not, you know, trying to say no to you, right? I'm, I'm trying to get you something that is going to be worthy of resale across the entire globe, right? And so you, we're talking about, uh, an API, you know, a, a whole platform of services that we're going to sell to you and let you either, you know, put it local or it's, it's a service, you know, that we, we maintain, um, 
they, they have to see that there's value to it and that it works with their environments, right? With their own business processes, because they're all different. Depends where you are, right? And so it's all about this kind of uh, gaining trust and kind of let, getting them to let go of, of their solutions to the problems. Um, and, and so that I think I spent a lot of time now um, trying to get trying to get people to focus on what their problems are mm-hmm. so that we can solve it and, and stay consistent. Because uh, at the end of the day, I, I think this is a really, I think the design aspect is, an, is a pivotal kind of a part of APIs is that you're kind of creating an experience. It could be a developer experience, but it could also be wider than that, like a, an API experience. What's it like to use all these APIs across all these services on this platform or even on another product line, right? Like I've got this set here that does this stuff and I got some other add-ons or some other products. And what does that feel like across the entire enterprise to use those services? And a lot of times you're talking about lots of little team, you know, smaller teams, right? These microservice centric teams, they all bring their own ideas into it, which is great. They're all doing their architectures. and they're empowered to do so, uh, you know, behind this, behind their service layers, even in the representations. But what do you want it to be when it's looked at in a holistic manner, from from a top-down kind of role, uh, uh, you know, uh, observational point? It's like, does this all look kind of like make sense and kind of look look the same? Not the same, but has has a, a you know a rhythm of vocabulary, as it were, you know, of how these things all work. This. These ideas of these operational endpoints, these underscore things that you know do some sort of RPC thing as opposed to a straight up resource. Can you can you get that across your entire ecosystem? And that's what I mean, kind of by API experience. Yeah, and you're you know you've evolved it and taken it. I would say I've seen APIs evolve from being and and still in a lot of enterprises who are still earlier on in there digital transformation, whatever we want to call it, but APIs are just a checklist on a project or on an application. They're not, the API is rarely a product in and of itself or, or seen to even need an experience. Why would you need an experience for such a technical thing? But the groups who are further along in this transformation or this journey, they see, they're seeing APIs as a product. There and 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 this is what the the journey that that you just described you're reflecting and it requires more feedback loops with stakeholders because you mentioned it like keeping it something that convinces people globally that they're going to want it that's got to require some serious feedback loops to to gather to stay in sync with what people are needing I'm I'm guessing absolutely you know each. Each individual engagement is another opportunity to kind of look at at what you're doing, right, and see 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 where you missed because you're going to miss, no doubt. And yeah. and and how can you solve your way out of that without breaking things? Because you don't want to break stuff. Um, and 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 where where's the where's the good stuff? Where were the wins? You know, in in the in the designs that you had. Um, you know, we set up the, these abstractions, you know, through the payment service to take kind of all different kinds of payments. And so when someone asks for a new one, it's a known quantity, really, what it takes to set up plumbing to do it. Like the hours are going to be the same every time you ask for another payment 
kind of payment to flow through the system. But where it gets variable is what's the integration with the provider, right? Because that, that can be all different. It could be XML, could be, I don't know, segmented data sets at some, some bank. Um, and, but so you get some, there's benefits in, in these abstra abstractions that they give you ways to kind of um, reliably plan what it's going to take to do something. Yeah, it's a, uh, you're getting a much more known landscape, known, known set of capability, enterprise capabilities and resources that you have ability. You, it's just, just a lot more known knowns out there. And you're, and so I, I see a lot of telltale signs that I see with other conversations I'm having people who have a known landscape, understand their digital resources and capabilities have ways of planning around these abstractions and evolving and iterating, have these feedback loops in place. They're usually hitting a point where they respond. It's not just a request and response structure. It's a, they need to respond to events happening that order happened. These, these more meaningful business events. So what's your, event-driven landscape look like from webhooks all the way to uh, asynchronous, real-time, all of that? So right now, uh, we are doing eventing. Uh, we, we, we've, we really like the kind of synergy between async API and, and OAS, right? Uh, and we're using OAS. And so I think a lot of our modeling is around, around that, um, that standard we haven't taken it all the way. We haven't kind of said, oh, we're just going to async API. We're going to publish all this stuff. It's going to be amazing. Um, but we are kind of taking a page, at least in the resource modeling of, of an event, like how that looks. And, and we can kind of say, okay, well, here's, here's, here's the schemas for all these events. And, and we haven't bit off on something like a message queue because, you know, I think they're time and time again, they, they're problematic, right? Everybody kind of, uh, uh, you know, has their complaints about message queues and and how they kind of play out in the vendor landscape and, and all this other stuff. And so we just kind of developed a little kind of a simple outbox um, on each service. It's part of the base code that every service will get is an outbox where they can publish their events. And so it's it's um, it's not pub sub either. It's just we're, we're putting it there and there's an endpoint to go look at it. And so it's just kind of this a re, another resource essentially in, in the service uh, that uh, interested parties, interested services can go look at to see if they need to take some kind of action or not. So we're going really lightweight, you know, this kind of everything's kind of internal to each service. Nothing gets lost, right? There's no communication loss when the, when the service who controls the event publishes the event, okay? It goes right to persistence. Um, and you can go look at it anytime you want. Um, so I think that's kind of, you know, again, like that whole networking stuff, you just got to message queues present problems. And, and when they go down, they go down hard and they cause lots of problems when they come up. So let's just keep it local. And anybody who gets, you know, needs, needs some updates because they were offline or they're just brought up into the, into the container, um, can go check on what, what they might need to care about right now. So that's kind of been our approach is this kind of low level, keep it simple, stupid. Don't let it, don't let the events bring down everything around you. Yeah. Another, I would say another very pragmatic, uh, resourceful, I, I don't want to say hacky in a negative way, but it, you know, similar to how you married verbs and nouns, nouns and verbs together with the underscore 
that's pretty hacky, but it's it's hacky in a good sense for for me. I think these quick and dirty yeah. solutions. I was on a, doing another interview um, with a customer earlier this morning, and they were talking about how many times someone throws Kafka at a at a a, a need for e- event driven, and it's just so overkill, and they don't need it. They don't need to go that far, but they did, and and so they overthought right. the problem. And I feel like with API design back to, you know, how we design our APIs, like so many people just go overkill and, and it just feels like you've got these pro- pragmatic approaches to keeping it simple, keeping it lightweight, keeping it scrappy and not, not over-investing and going too far. Yeah. We looked at Kafka. We looked at a time series database at 1.2 for some other, you know, kind of concerns. There's a lot of auditing mentality, you know, kind of adding up stuff that happens over the course of a business day for, for a franchisee. And, and we just couldn't justify it, right. As this is going to be so important that we have to do it, that we, that we have to buy a product and, and, you know, a huge, you know, miter saw, right. In order to do the work, you know, we're like, well, I just need a, we just need a hacksaw and we'll be fine. Um, keep it simple network. Anytime you're, you know, anytime you're going to rely on the network, you just got to think it's going to go wrong. And uh, when you're an enterprise of this scale, I mean, we're the biggest pizza company in the world or some something like that. And we take millions of orders uh, during the course of the Super Bowl or, you know, it's just crazy. And it cannot fall down. It cannot fall down. We have to take that order. We have to process that payment. We have to do, you know, all these things have to happen. And, and, and so anytime you introduce another network, you know, liability, you're just increasing your chances. It's all math at that point. It's not that it might happen. It will happen. No matter what you do, you're going to, you're going to drop at millions and millions of, of transactions, you know, interactions in an API. You can't take a chance. Yeah. I think you have a really healthy, uh, as I said over and over, pragmatic view of how to approach this I, that I find refreshing because I'm I've gone down every rabbit hole and uh, uh, technically and the hypermedia like I I love I fell in love with hypermedia early on and I and as a database guy I really like GraphQL but like I I always have these like this is too much here we just need it to be scrappier lightweight simpler easier to do and but you can still do that at scale because you guys are not just doing that enterprise scale you're doing that global i mean all the franchisees and and that kind of scale that the super bowl would need it's just multiple levels but pragmatic simple can do that um and you just got to keep it simple and keep it usable um it's it's, uh hadios times i remember us all hanging out at API Fest in Detroit. Yes. Speaking of of Hadios yes. again. Yeah, that was uh that was just for the listeners. One of the first places we hung out in person was uh so it was Detroit 2013 14 I think I think it was. And 13 I think. Um, oh, was it? Okay. Um I have to look back at my um and I I had a panel, I pulled together a panel of all of not all, but the top hypermedia folks to kind of discuss. It was right at that time where it was before GraphQL, but it was a very yeah. hypermedia was going to dominate the landscape. And there, and there's some interesting implement, there's quite a few implementations out there that I think are interesting, like 
AWS API Gateway is is like there is using HAL, and so it's really interesting yeah. to pull these folks together and have a conversation about why which ones are better or worse, and uh, HAL is one of the more simpler ones, and I think it's the yeah. one that I've seen the most implemented. If I if I'm correct, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's it's got some you know some beauty in keeping it simple, right? Keeping it really low cost and doing the right things, using the standards, right? Not trying to do something new. It was leveraging just what was kind of out there. These are attributes on, on, on HTML tags that were defined, you know, years and years and years and years ago. Really easy stuff to kind of get your head around. It's a link, right? It's, it's using all the attributes. It has all the benefits. It has, you know, a bunch of stuff comes along with the ride in that standard. And it's great. Yeah. And yeah, it's ubiquitous. It's yeah. I mean, that's why the web, that's why HTTP, I think people keep trying to come along with a startup and, and take what, say REST is done, uh, RESTful APIs are done, this, we're going to replace REST. I'm like, okay, but it's just built on the simple web. It's kind of grown organically. I, I think you're going to have a hard time doing that. Um, but I think every new trend or technology comes along and wants to kind of say they're going to they're going to capture the mind share of, of folks and, and provide these solutions for us. I mean, how do you, how do you think about what's new and, and latest technology without being captivated by the, the VC myth and, and problem solving, you know, uh, promises and, and just take that pragmatic lens that you have. I, I really think that part of it is, is, there's a lot of focus on just the DDD, you know, the domain-driven design. We don't we don't talk too much about what technologies we should use. We want really good resources. We want stuff that can um, that is capable to expand when it needs to expand. Uh, that that is flexible enough to talk in lots of different contexts, and and that's where I think we spend a lot of our time uh, kind of focusing. It's not the details behind the API are not necessarily a hundred percent important that or or around a particular architecture it's it's really about having really good um, uh, resources that like you know the business throws you that curveball and you go like oh that's no big deal I already got this one right like you want more of those out of out of your design than you want like let me go sit down and think a million you know uh, tens of hours trying to figure out, you know, how I'm going to make this weird thing work. Um, you really just want to be leverage what you got and, and having the, the flexibility in, in all these places in this, this abstraction, you know, areas where we kind of, we do typing and we say, it's a type of a thing that's coming through. It, it, it's going to flow down a different track uh, somewhere down the line, but as it passes from system to system, nobody cares what it is as long as it meets the contract, right? It meets the interface contract. I need a, an object of type X. Well, we keep on passing type X until it gets down to the place where we care about type X. And so uh, everybody's, you know, the APIs carry a lot of water for a lot of different people, front end for an integration, but um, try not to like make it part of your, like the central concern of the API, right? Like you're just trying to get data to point A to point B. Don't make it overly complex and, and, and so I think those are the things that you, you, you 
are, become valuable and, and get you to be super flexible and just kind of like, eh, I, we got a pot spot for that. We, we kind of planned. We thought maybe. Sometimes they don't work out. Yeah. Sometimes you got like a weird appendix sitting in the middle of your, your API design. And you're like, eh, we had plans, but it never worked out. But it didn't cost yeah. you anything too much to do it. And I've all um, I, I've been in this business long enough, and I, I I don't troll people too much, but occasionally I'll put out on Twitter. I'll say, you know, APIs don't matter, and and I get a bunch of my people who who jump at me and go, oh no, it totally matters, you know. And I'm like, no, it's actually like your team's capabilities, your strengths, those muscles that you learn from doing APIs. It's those feedback loops that you have in place. It's that trust you have with your consumers. It's all of these things being able to play out. And yes, you're building, designing new APIs and you're iterating existing APIs and that's what carries the load. But that strength of your team is really where where the the, the value lies and, and your ability to create contracts that matter and are meaningful to your business and what's going on. But it's more about people than it is about technology. And and that's what I'm hearing with your kind of taking apart your pragmatic lens that it's, it's your confidence in your own ability, not the latest vendor tool or the latest technology to come along. Yeah. I mean, design, I think that's the thing, right? I really like this, this concept, right? Um, I don't think computer scientists think a, a lot about kind of the implications of, of a design, right? It's always kind of, the front end guy cares about that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Cares that it looks nice. Everybody else is just trying to get data from one side to the other side. And and that's cool. That's super pragmatic. Uh, doesn't get you, you know, it doesn't buy you much, uh, but it does get the job done. But to spend, it's been a really unique uh, thing about Domino's is they, and it, uh, transformative really, before, um, the stakeholders kind of developed what the architecture was for these things that they wanted to sell. And then they give it to the developers. Fine, right? It works for smaller companies or, or even, you know, lots of, lots of places do it and are just fine, right? Um, but they really put an investment at the start of this project about, I think, five years ago, a little bit before my time, is that they would place architecture at the center, not as a bottleneck, but as like an accelerator to say, okay, um, to, you know, every developer in my mind is an architect, whether they know it or not. And, and so w- when you give them a task, they're architecting that task. They don't, may not have a lot of experience in it. They're, they're going to make mistakes. And that's not to take away from anybody um, to learn those things. It's just they put this, you know, this team of four or five people together and said, you're going to be concerned with the API and how all these services interact and how do we get how do we get everything done? And and that is your only job, like as a solution architect, this is the only thing you're going to do is design an API and make it the best damn API you can with whatever you have in front of you, whatever you've kind of collected over time, you're going to make it the best. And I think that that approach, you know, some people will argue with me, right? That approach is pivotal when you're kind of at this scale and we're, hand in hand, like it's not just solution in a, in a, in an ivory tower, it's hand in hand with the app arcs, right? With the guys who are doing the implementation, we're bouncing ideas off each other. We're talking about limitations or, or advantages in, in the individual implementations of, of a certain kind of, um, uh, 
choices in the code, right? Or, or tools that we have or the tools that we want to use. And so we're, we're constantly talking to one another about how, how this is going to play out. Where's the gotchas? Um, where did we miss? You know, so it's not just we come down on, from on high with some, some stone tablets and say, here, here's the law um, of the land. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a conversation. There's a lot of um, no throwing. There's not a lot of throwing over the, the wall, like that kind of mentality doesn't yeah yeah but it sounds like it's something we try not to do it sounds like you have a lot of breathing room though i i encounter enterprise org after enterprise org where they're like you know this design stuff sounds great it's 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 but we don't have the time like we're putting out fires we're responding to things and their their culture is very different but it sounds like you guys have a little bit of space in breathing room how do you acquire that that space how did that get get established is it leadership or is it through your practices like i think it's both like the leadership took a role you know kind of a, a bit of a gamble like this you're gonna sink some dollars and some guys who uh, you know what benefit are they really going to give you right at the end of the day and um and so they kind of took that gamble but i think that it's it's ours to lose, right? As the people being being given that space, it's ours to lose at every every month, every solution, every handoff. It's ours to lose. So that trust and that work um, and, and all the conversations that go on with with the app arcs and the, the develop you know the DevOps team and and the business themselves. That's all. That's what it's all about. And I think. You know, I referenced Mike Montero's book, Design is a Job. He like hits those things too. It's like, you know, you have to have these relationships. You have to gain trust. You're not going to go anywhere as a designer without trust. And and so every engagement is a, a spot to, to gain more trust or to lose trust. And so, and in the end, you know, the, the places that are, well, you don't have time for that, we're putting out fires. And it's like, well, why are you putting out those fires? Mm-hmm. Right? Because mm-hmm. You made hasty choices, right? Could be, right? Or you've had a series of hasty choices over many, many years. Some of them that you're not even responsible for, right? As as a as an individual on this team, there it's the the buried bodies and the history of, of your organization, um, you know, that you have nothing to do with. But it's you know, it's yours to sort out and, and deal with it in the end because you're the one, you know, on the hook to sub- provide the solution. So. Um, I think it, that's what it all boils down: trust and gaining trust every single time you make a change to the API. Yeah, I mean, naming this podcast is breaking changes for a reason because it's a uh, you can that's that's that point repetitively you're going to make or break this these relationships and this trust. And it, I yeah. we really identified as as the important piece of this. You got you got to you got to bring it home when it comes to, and for me, breaking changes don't actually exist. It's just, there's not communicated changes. There's hastily made, you know, there's, there's many other things. The, the change, breaking change doesn't exist. There's just all these other human uh, aspects around it that we neglected or we messed up and, and, and was visible. I think the breaking change, but so where do you, I mean, to kind of wind this down, like, where do you get your information? How do you stay knowledgeable on, on what you need to accomplish each day? 
I feel bad about this that I don't read a lot of technical stuff anymore. Um, I do a lot of stuff by gut, and I, <laughs> I always have. A, I certainly have the RFC for HTTP bookmarked and reference it quite often, and also other specifications like OAS. Um, so the standards are super important, and being able to help my team understand how to write that stuff is super important. But man. I feel I feel really weird saying like I really don't. I just kind of I've been at this point it's like 10 10 ish years in the API space, mm -hmm. and it's it's uh, it's not all rote memory. It's it's really that kind of synthesis of the business with with the API these kind of strategies about the APIs right that you need to really simple stuff pragmatic stuff don't need a manual. Uh, to, and this, to, this to is back to this in this way. Yeah, I mean, this is back to what are the value is the value is in your muscle memory, your ability to respond, your confidence, your and the standards are scaffolding, I think, for a lot of that. But you've just practiced and practiced and experienced and experienced and, re, and that ability to respond and iterate and have the feedback loops and have the confidence. I mean, this is what API product management and APIs are about is a lot of enterprise organizations come to us and go, well, when are we going to be done with this API thing? It's like, you're never going to be done. Never. Like this is like the iteration is and the strength in being able to respond and iterate is API. It's not that yeah. instance of your API or the design of the API entirely. So the business is not going to stop growing. The business is not going to stop asking for changes. All right. How do you support them every day? in whatever they want to do, however crazy it is. <laughs> I think that's a great way. That's <laughs> I'm going to end on that note right there. Cause I think that's the important one. Uh, this audience is going to, going to, going to enjoy. Um, I really appreciate your time today, James. This has been great. I love catching up with you again. Um, we're going to have to find another excuse to do another episode down the road. I'm down for it. I'm so glad to, uh, you know, get this opportunity with you, Ken. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, thanks for joining me. And uh, I love your pragmatic view of things. And uh, um, definitely uh, keep eating your pizzas and uh, supporting feed, feeding the machine. And uh, um, thanks. <laughs> Enjoy the rest of your day. All right, you too, man. Take care. Thanks again to James for stopping by. For more on James, you can find them on LinkedIn. And you can learn more about Domino's Pizza at D-O-M inos.com. You can subscribe to the Breaking Changes podcast at postman.com slash events slash breaking dash changes. I'm your host, Ken Lane, and until next time, cheers. <laughs>